Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor podcast. It is episode 47. What a momentous occasion. You've got me, James. We've got Tony, you're back on. How's it going? I'm back. Yep. I'm all right. Thank you. Yep. Happy days. John. How are we doing? You all right? I just want you to acknowledge your name at this point. <laughs> yes. Here. Pre- yes. Pre- present. <laughs> yeah. It's like a register. Uh, ben. Present, sir. Good. Now all the audience know who's there. Excellent. Um, we're going to, rather than just go straight on to Gillingham, we haven't done a pod for a bit, so there's a, a bit of news to just catch up on. So let's start there. Um, third kit came out. Now, I'm a bit upset about this because, as we talked about in, I think it was the previous pod, we were talking about the orange kit, and it didn't really kind of go with my eyes and other things, and I was a bit sad. I didn't really want it, nor the home kit. But the white one came in, and I was like, yes, please. And then after, you know, three, four hours, I let work finish, and I was like, I'll just order it mediums were out of stock then soon every other size was was anyone else as upset as i was or does no one else care this is just a piece for you this is a self-indulgent appeal uh, i mean it was all right I mean, I what the kit but i wasn't sort of in love with it i was chatting with um sam sam leslie another oxford fan yesterday and he because the kit's got a weird design where it's like it looks like two shirts stitched together so it's like maybe they've used the remnants of another shirt and then another shirt from back in the day and put the things together. And that's why there are so few of them or something like that. Sam, if that's not what you were saying, and I'm just making you sound like an idiot. I do apologize. <laughs> Someone's definitely going to reach out and sort you out with a kit. Now you've implied it's two kits. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still want it though. You know, I, but I did, I, I came across a, a delightful way to get one. I need to sponsor a player. Don't I sponsor the third kit and then, I get the shirt at the end of the season, but now I've got to work out who's a medium. Tony, who did you said would be a medium? I think Brannigan. Let's let's say Brannigan. Yeah, Brannigan. That's a good so. shout. I was going to say Kelly, but then he's probably a small, isn't he? He's probably an XXS. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's how much the way. it costs to sponsor a player? I don't know. I've got, I've got an email address, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna ping him an email. I'm gonna say like at least a hundred quid though. Yeah. What does it I mean? I mean, you get that shirt, but what else? Like, do they come around your house t- and sort of a tickle. clean up? Or what, what else do you get for that? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think can, it was just... You get yeah, name in the just, program and stuff, and I think you can get it next to their name on the website. Yeah. So. Well, that, wouldn't that be great? How many people click on the um, the profile of the player on the website? I think it's just us. <laughs> right. Well, it, the first time I did it was just today to see what it was. But um, yeah, I'd put Tamana Podcast there, you know. Everyone's a winner. My my uncle anyway. used to uh, to sponsor Darren Purse back in the day, and uh, I I got to go in the Manor Clubhouse afterwards and meet meet Darren Purse, and I still got his sh- his match worn shirt. What was he that like? Was um, I was a I was a very small child, and he just played <laughs> a game of football, so I think he didn't have much time for me. But you know, no. he he said hello, um, and then I think went back to his pint. Great player, back to his pint. Excellent. Excellent. And staying in the kit world, we, we announced that we were having our training kit with a sponsor on it for the first time ever. Now, this caused a bit of contention, and it seemed to go hand in hand with Zaki departing, just putting that out there. Um, but yeah, this this company, what they called Ch- Chacao, Chaco, they, they'd previously sponsored Liverpool's training kit, um, and that was kind of binned off because some investigations by Peter or whatever noticed that they were using um, monkeys to unethically source the coconuts. But 
Is anyone else a bit upset by that? Seems a bit odd. John? I, th- I think they tried to clarify that they'd now moved away from the uh, monkey sweatshop industry or whatever they were being accused of. But I don't know. I just sort of thought the training kit, I mean, where's the where's the awareness and the exposure of sponsoring the training kit? Just, I mean, we'll take the money. I think we should as a club and any club probably would do. Um, yeah, a bit of a random one. Now, that, that's a question though. Ben, do you reckon there's any money from this? No, well, that, club. That was, as soon as I found out they were a Thai company, I thought that's that's two Thai-based companies now sponsoring us. Probably there's links with Tiger there somewhere. Is he just? Is this a favour between mates? I, you'd like to think there would be some money, but I don't think it's going to be anything significant. I mean, for, for me, all I know now is that this company has had pr- prior dealings with being unethical and before i didn't know anything about them so it's had like the adverse effect <laughs> yeah bad press like, yeah um tony can you think of any other kind of shit sponsors in the world of football where you've just got to think like you know what are they actually doing it's like the one that always stands out to me is the the ty on the portsmouth kit where you've got like blokes in the stand going oh do you know what dave after the game i'm gonna go and get me a beanie baby <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I always remember uh, around the same time. I think it was early two thousands or nineties. It was was it Chef Wednesday sponsored by Chupper Chups? Yeah, oh, yeah. I was going to mention that's a great that. shout. Yeah. yeah, and what was it? Wolves was sponsored by was it Doritos? Oh, Doritos, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But I always thought the Chupper Chups one was a bit strange, sim- similar sort of thing. I like that. I think the sort of yeah, sort of random food brands. It's kind of a bit quirky, but I can. It's, it does obviously, yeah be a bit random someone had microchips as well at one point oh that's had microchips as in the, the chips you cook in the microwave that's not the like, ones not yeah. the things, but in the dogs and, and the pet no no, no okay <laughs> um what was the, I, some other ones i found out john the one you knew as well ac milan used to be sponsored by poo jeans that was a good one <laughs> clydell um sorry clydebank fc was sponsored by the band wet 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 at one point um, Atletico Madrid was sponsored by the film Spider-Man 2 and just had a massive web all over their shirt um, St. Johnston sponsored by Bona, that was good um, loads of clubs around South America were sponsored by Bimbo which is, I think it's like bread or something isn't it What's Bona? Ring a bell to I, want to, I want to hear more about Bona I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know I don't know Textile brand it says oh. Go and find out more and then bring it to the next the one, next one. the one I liked, because we seem to have looked on the same um, source for this, was uh, Scarborough being sponsored by Black Death Vodka. Just seems oh, a very, very aggressive um, <laughs> brand to be I talking about. I don't think that would be happening in today's world. Absolutely um, not. There's also a Greek team that was sponsored by two local brothels. Um, they had one brothel on the front and one on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is fantastic. Was that any indication of the specialty of the brothels? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably. I like it. Um, just on to Zaki. It probably wasn't the the coconut milk um, debacle that caused him to leave. Um, ben, what are your thoughts on that? He, he's been a, a breath of fresh air at a time when, especially when he first came in, comms were a bit of a challenge from the club. And he, he really kind of put that um onto kind of a new a new road i guess yeah i think he was brilliant i think he's the the clearest 
communicator we've had for many years at a time when, as you said, we were screaming out for a bit of transparency and he would go out of his way to, to respond to you know fan questions and, and try and get the board's message across as much as he could. Um, it was clear he loved the club and he loved being around it and, and everything that was going forward on our journey. It just seems quite out of the blue. Uh, I know he said he, he decided after the playoff final, but one of his, his statements on Twitter just mentioned that he, he took some time after it to reflect on his future involvement um, and those considerations, deliberations with Tiger and the board. And the result of that was him leaving. It just yeah. makes me think, was there a fall, not falling out with such, but disagreements on more money being invested or how they're going to run the club? It, it just seems like he, he he wants to still be the club based on his, his comments afterwards, how much he loves it. And he doesn't really talk about, I wanted to try this or I want to go and do that. It just seems to be quite, I'm leaving and I'm going to miss it. Yeah. Does anyone else have any other takes on that? I'm I'm in the same place where when he talks about the careful consideration, it's like, hmm, what are you deliberating? But, you know, maybe it's not one to look too much into. And he does say, he references dear friend Tiger. Yeah, it might just be, you know, it's just that's, that's one of those things. It's a couple of years, maybe it is time to move on. I guess it's just I'm coming at this from a, a disappointed fan because I think he we we're much worse off with him not being there. Yeah, you get the sense with some of these board members is that they're sort of the type who've got sort of a portfolio of different projects and businesses and maybe just other things that he's working on are needing more time and attention and he's kind of he it's that emotional tie you've got to cut and times and think well actually I can't do this project that I really want to do and actually I need to be focusing on on those ones so maybe there's just a bit of that I'm kind of glad that it doesn't seem to be loads of conspiracy talk going on though it, it does just seem to be a more positive about him as a, as, a, as a man and sort of moving on from that do you reckon whoever comes in to kind of re- replace him on the board needs to be good at the piano and singing or playing Oxford related songs. He's got to try a different I think instrument, it's a surely. Now. Like, you know, if he's. If Recorder. Yeah. <laughs> Flute. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, women's team. It's definitely, we never really mentioned the women's team and it's worth doing it, especially at the moment. Um, so they're five games into their season. And I did a bit of research today. So again, haven't really mentioned it before, but they're, they're playing in the third tier of the the women's pyramid so they've got like the super league at the top the championship and then it breaks down into northern and southern um national leagues and we're in the third tier playing in the southern league but we're top of the table played five one four lost one um they got nearly 300 people at court place farm um for a three one win over crawley the other week and i i watched the highlights of that and the third goal was genuinely a peach um, from Lauren Haynes. I'd recommend anyone going and taking a look at that. First time from the edge of the box. Smashed it. And um, we won 7-0 today. I could do, We could do with that scoreline in the men's team, I think, going forward. But Who was that yeah. against? Uh, Hounslow. It's quite an interesting like, uh, kind of set of teams in this league. But then I went up a division and it's a similar thing. Like Durham were like top of the championship. Um, and there was some other kind of was it Lewis? Lose isn't that like on the south coast somewhere? Yeah, south like Brighton way. Yeah, so we you... played. We played them when we were down in the conference, didn't we, Lewis? Didn't yeah. I think they beat us as well. well they probably did. Everyone <laughs> beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, fair play to the women's team, top of the league. Um, right on to less less happy things. Uh, crew, 
don't really want to talk about this too much because everyone has said their piece and we're we're a bit late to the party. But Tony, what were your thoughts on all of that that stuff and the game being called off? Yeah, it was strange, wasn't it? I, I was rushing to get home um, to to watch the get the game, and then just saw it come through about fifteen minutes before kickoff that it had been called off. So it, was, it seemed like a, a late decision at the time, and then obviously hear a bit more about the goings on. I mean, just the overriding thing is it just comes back to you know what were crew doing turning up at the stadium. Like you can you can debate all of the rest of it, but if they knew. Yeah. Um, that they had someone in the squad that morning who tested positive. Surely they shouldn't have come to the stadium, but they did. So that I think that just gives an insight into their mentality as a team. You know, there's no way Oxygen United would have done that with the way that Robinson's um, running a, such a tight ship at the moment. So it's it's annoying because it just feels like Oxford always try to do things the right way, and then other teams don't always do that, and then there's no punishment for it. You know. That's that's the thing that got me as well. Like, what are the actual sanctions? Because yeah. they were kind of breaking the law, not so much any EFL rules because yeah, yeah. they're inept themselves. But like, I just can't believe that not one person in that morning when they got on a coach to come down to the Kassam thought like there wasn't enough of them to say this is daft. Yeah, like let's obviously not do this. Um, that's that's the thing that got me. It's like how can all of them just rock up and start just cracking on and. KR said he found out what like twenty to two or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, nuts. But yeah, Ben John, do you want to say like six words in rage or <laughs> abuse them a bit or? Um, I'd say their their manager came across a bit of a <laughs> bit of a yeah. prick. Just sort yeah. of. Oh, actually, you know, we did this out the goodness of our own hearts, and we could have easily just played the game and infected the Oxford team and weakened them. I was, that was a bit of a, a bit of a dick move. I don't think he. I know. I know he came across like an absolute cretin, but I reckon if he listened back, he'd probably been like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I didn't mean. Didn't mean it like that. Yeah, but, but it just it, in the in the context of the whole farce, it just came across that, as as Tony said, it doesn't doesn't make crew come across well at all. Yeah. <clears throat> also, he was wearing a shit gilet, and so was Steve Evans on the weekend. So I think there's uh, <laughs> there's some kind of correlation there. I think a gilet off. Yeah, um, gilet equals no bed. It's, it's interesting you say that. Actually, we called out the gilet when we were watching the Gilliam game, and we were wondering what size it was because it was a loose fit on Evans. <laughs> and we were like, "My words, that is a custom job if I've ever seen one." He probably he probably loses a couple of pounds during the game through rage and sweat. But anyway, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we went on to play Bristol Rovers midweek in the Tin, so- tin Pot Surprise Trophy. Um, only real note I took from this, and I, I listened to it, I didn't watch it, but um, Jack Stevens seemed to have another solid game. Um, and that was without his multitude of penalty saves. He made a penalty save in normal time um, just before uh, Del Boy equalised in like the last minute to make it one or went to penalties. And then one of Stevens's saves from the penalties, one of the penalties was unbelievable down to his right as well. I think Jerome said on the radio, like best save um, I've ever seen live type thing. And then when I went back and watched the highlights, like he's not wrong. It's unbelievable, but I don't know, John, do you reckon he's going to get an opportunity um, this season and not just be a cup, a cup player? Is he waiting on an injury? I just, I can't see Eastwood getting moved no matter what he does. 
yeah, that's exactly what I was I was going to say. I don't quite get this sort of clamouring for Stevens to get first team or league team appearances. Eastwood's a senior keeper. Um, he's still a phenomenal shot stopper. I think obviously we'll talk about challenges around other things such as crossing and decision making. But um, why would you bring in an inexperienced keeper in a defence that we're obviously going to talk about a lot in a minute as well that's pretty unstable? So I just don't see it happening and I wouldn't do it myself yeah. either. Tony, were you delighted with the two points that we got in that game? Yeah, the bonus point. Sort of bonus point, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't even listen to it, I'll be honest with you. That that tournament is, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Anyway, on to Gillingham then. So... Two changes from our from our team that played Accrington. So Raffles came back in at left back, which is great. Um, Brannigan um, came in as well, taking the place of Robbie Hall. Um, Gorin back on the back on the bench after injury, which was great for us to see. Um, and then Sam Winnell as well. Another that's another positive for us that he's making the squad. Um, and then Long shifted into centre half. Um, Cooper not in the squad, so he could mess around and fly to Bosnia and Norway for no reason and not get any minutes, which it, for someone that's like on the, like the cusp of breaking into a, a league one side, you'd have thought they'd have been a bit more pragmatic about it. Like he, he, he came on at Accrington and did well. Um, but you know, maybe if you talk to the player, he wants that opportunity. Um, so who knows? But, but we this had is- a similar thing with Gavin White, didn't we? Like when, when he got called up and I think maybe not used and Robinson had sort of said something about it in the press and, and Michael O'Neill, I think he was the, the Ireland manager at the time, Northern Ireland manager at the time, kicked off about it. I, th- I think, yeah, I think the player surely wants to be with the the squad, you know. So I think, um, yeah, obviously we want him involved in the match, but for his development, I think it's still good for him to be around the international team and, and you know, training with, with good quality players. Yeah. It's fair. It's it's a fair shout, to be fair. And I do remember it was really awkward, wasn't it, with Michael O'Neill last time round? It was embarrassing, like but, at that point, because yeah. KR just sort of came across a little bit, kind of like, why can't I just have my player because of these circumstances in my team? And Michael O'Neill was like, I don't really have to give a stuff about your team. <laughs> and it was kind of fair enough. And I agree with Tony. Like, it, it's great for Cooper to be with the international team as well as it is for us. So it's um just one of those things for me. Um, so the game started, and within twenty minutes we were we were two 0 down. So first goal, Graham. I knew we all kind of knew Jordan Graham was going to do something. Sporting a shiny hairdo, as in no hair, <laughs> cutting down the um, left hand side. Sean Clare just kind of not getting close enough to get anywhere near stopping across. It was a deep one, kind of unmarked to the back post header not massive pace on the the cross either so you've got a I don't know Ben when we watched that I think we were kind of saying who do we blame is it Claire for not getting close enough to close the cross down is it I think it was Henry that wasn't close enough to the player at the back post and then Eastwood shouldn't be getting beaten at his near post either no I don't know it's it's just a poor goal isn't it they said all around it's just little things here they add up to really we shouldn't be conceding that kind of goal especially against Gillingham we've got we've got to do better in these situations if we're going to do anything this season the thing is the striker didn't he didn't even really run onto it and he had to arch his neck back to generate a bit of power as well and he was a good like two three meters 
away from the goal. So add all those things in, it it really shouldn't have gone in unless there's an angle which shows, you know, a good foot and a half of space for the ball to go into, which would say Eastwood was in the wrong place anyway. It's just, yeah, poor. Yeah. And Tony, their second goal was just like a load of bollocks, really, as in (laughs) (laughs) it was Jacob Mellis just kind of running around, kicking the ball at people and it just comes, keeps coming back to him. Loads of tackles and blocks. Um, I think, again, Claire might have given the ball away at the beginning of the move. But I think one of his second shot was going miles wide. It comes back to him after being blocked and then he absolutely pearls it, doesn't he? Yeah, it was it was a bit lucky, but I think yeah, it for me it's it's Claire um, probably at fault for that goal and for the first goal um, predominantly. You know, the, the, with that one, the second one, he's he's got the ball at his feet and he's tried to dribble out of defence. You know, that's it's unforgivable really to lose the ball in that position and then, um, like you said, it's sort of like rebounded a few times and it's a good strike to finish it. But for the first one, I think yeah, you might look at Eastwood. Um, maybe should have done a bit better but it's a bit harsh to say he's been beaten at his near post because obviously the cross has come in from the other side so he's had to scamper all the way across his goal line and it's Claire again for that one he's not not stopped the cross and has basically just given Jordan Graham all the space he wanted so yeah I'm not that impressed with Claire in, for either of those goals and, that, and then I imagine that you're about to go on to the third and I think there's a case to say that he's at fault for that one as well well when it comes to, I was, I was just going to stick on Claire for a minute because John, he's been kind of scapegoated a little bit already, but I can't, it's difficult to defend a guy. I think he, he seems, he showed some promise going forward at times and he's definitely got that pace. But as Stevie Kinneborough said on the, um, what's the pod called? I wasn't at the game show. Um, he was basically saying, I used to be a fullback and that guy is not a fullback. So pulling pulling punches but what what are your thoughts yeah I mean he he would probably be a fantastic wing back um I mean yeah you don't want to jump on the whole crucifying young new players in early on in the season but there's just he just looks quite indecisive and um I think we touched on it last time his, his body language at times doesn't help and that that may just be how he naturally holds himself he's not sort of being lazy or particularly languid but um it is concerning and it's just a it's just the confidence thing across the whole defence of if they've all got to concentrate on their own individual performances so much, where does the sort of the unit come into it and sort of who's the who's leading from the back? Yeah. And for the rest of that first half, we absolutely boss possession. We start creating a chance every like three to five minutes. And then for the last like five minutes of the first half, we literally create th- at least two got like ridiculous opportunities where you've got obviously the Bran- a really nice move down the right, cut across by Ford and Brannigan just decides to not tap it in. So that was upsetting. <laughs> and then Ruffles had a chance, I think literally two minutes later, that was end up being, you know, keep a good save, but then gets cleared off the line. And even within there, there was another couple of times where the ball just swung across and the ball just got kind of blocked and then just sat somewhere, but it just didn't fall to any of us. And Ben, you start to think at that point, I think I was saying to you before we started recording, when that Ruffles chance was cleared off the line, it started to become comical, didn't it? Like, it was like, this is not going to be our day no matter what happens. Yeah, I don't understand how we didn't score. There's so many chances and given the 
the lucky bounces and ricochets Gillingham had, particularly in their second goal. It just yeah, it's just not happening. It just wasn't falling for the right men and yeah, I think we were we just sort of laughing with our head and our hands in disbelief by the half time whistle. Yeah. Tony, is that the, the best you've ever felt kind of going into a, a half time tune it like two goals behind? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we I guess we did play well going forward, but it, it felt at the time like we needed that goal before half time, and then Brannigan missed the open goal basically, and and then you think, well, are Gillingham gonna um, sort of gather themselves at half time and uh, yeah. and come out stronger? And obviously, that's that's not quite how it went. But yeah, I mean, we, we played well going forward, but you can't ignore the the problems we got at the back. I mean, we're we're saying our oh, Gillingham. You know, they blocked our shots um, and they got lucky in our box. But actually, you know, they defended well and we didn't. So their defenders were were active and trying to block the shots and moving. Whereas you look at that one where it's for their second, where it's bounced around, our defenders are all static. So it's, you know, we should look at the way they defended and try to learn something from that. I, I, I still, I definitely agree with what you're saying, but there was definitely a part of luck in the way that balls just weren't bouncing to us. We were in the right places and it seemed like just that cutting edge to get the final. There was a couple of other things where I was moaning at um, Mr. Henry coming in from the right-hand side where there was a couple of easy passes. You could see other players giving him a giving him a shout afterwards, but maybe the decision-making wasn't quite there. But John, one thing that was good, we were kind of saying at halftime, weren't we, like that fluid football is kind of back in from an in an attacking sense and James Henry did say that after the game as well it was like that's the most kind of oxford united performance we've had um since lockdown i think he said yeah and i thought that the lock, his his mention of lockdown was was pretty important because it, it it absolutely was true um for me it was like a relief to see it again as well because i think there was a worry this season that we were going to suddenly end up playing a lot of teams that would sort of know how to shut us down and it was kind of we lost that ability to play like that but it was just so much better and everyone was just further forward and just yeah I think we must have said fluid about 20 times as we were watching the game yeah we did we were, oh yeah that's fluid <laughs> fluid really yeah, yeah. really fluid Fluid, fluidity max <laughs> um so we all thought oh, we've screwed this because we've gone into half time we haven't managed to get the goal before that we all said we needed but we come out and then none of us actually got to see the Aji goal because I follows a, a bastard. Um, I, I've, only, I've only just watched it back literally before we came on. It's a bit of a messy goal. Um, it's kind of like, fall. he kind of falls over as he hits it after the keeper comes out to collect. But it's a messy goal. But we got back into it like 47, 48 minute. And you think, right, we're going to probably win this now if, if it's anything like the first half. And you've got to say... It's on six. I think it's on sixty-three minutes. We get that free kick on the right-hand side. Tony, Anthony Ford's over it. He crosses the ball in, and Matty Taylor's stood there in the middle of the goal, keeper nowhere in sight. Yeah, three yards out. Yeah, how, I don't oh. understand how it's gone over the bar even because he, he's headed it down, isn't he? And it's bounced back up over the bar. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, back to the goal, uh, the Aggie goal as well. Um, I was quite pleased to see him get that because, you know, he, he's clearly a, a talented player who Robinson's, um, you know, doesn't quite trust yet. He's not had many starts, but um, from what I've seen or what we've seen of him so far, he seems like he's got that sort of wonder goal in his locker. You know, the the 
the bowler from range. But to see him yeah. sort of scrap one in like that is encouraging, I think. And I thought he was really, really good in the first half on yeah. on that left wing where we keep hearing that we need a, a pacey left winger. Well, he looked like a pacey left winger to me in that first half. He, he, um, held, he held the ball yeah, I mean, really well. Like He, he didn't he did. lose yeah, it a yeah. lot. He was constantly in tight little spaces yeah. and he just emerged with the ball. And sometimes players just have yeah. that knack of doing that. So, yeah, absolutely. He was... I mean, he faded away like probably around this kind of 60, 70 minute mark. But that's that's not, that's fine. You know, that's what subs are for. It was interesting because he gave Osse a start over Aji in a league game already. I forget who we were playing. Was it Sunderland at home? Yeah. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Osse wasn't even in the squad because obviously Winnell's rocked up. So it is... I'm finding that interesting, but yeah, good. It's, it's good that you've called that out because we were absolutely talking about Aji and saying he, he'd had a good game. I remember, John, you, you mentioning it throughout. Um, what else happened then? So yeah, we think we're we think we're in. Matty Taylor misses that, but we're still the team that's in the ascendancy. And then Gillingham break down the right-hand side. And not, to be fair to them, a nice little bit of interplay. Um, but yet again, a ball kind of flies across and we we haven't I, I guess ruffles hasn't got close enough to the man to to block the cross um graham is just stood completely unmarked around the penalty spot and first time decent finish to to keep it down but then it's it's the marking isn't it that again back to like the first goal you've got to try and make more of an effort to make it harder to get that crossing in the first place but the guy literally looks has time to kind of look up pick out Graham and it's, it's a good finish, but why is no one anywhere near him? And then players are pointing at each other, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. You see, there's, there's two aspects to that, isn't there? There's the first, try and stop the cross coming in. If you can't, you've got to fall back on, well, the central defenders will be marking the strikers or, or covering the area. And it's just, there's nobody near him. There's got to be, is it, is it because we, we've chopped and changed the defense through forced injuries and whatnot, that they've just not had that time to click and get that communication properly. Yeah. You can't you can't give anybody that much space, but especially someone like Graham, who you know he's not going to he's not going to miss from there. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to beat up on on Claire too much, um, but if you watch it back, Claire's Claire's got Graham, and then he just lets him go, um, and that's that's nothing to do with you know a defense not having clicked yet. That's an individual switching off. So you know if he wants to play in the back line he needs he needs to improve on that because that's just not that, that's not acceptable you know for a defender to just let your man go in the box like that it's basic stuff i didn't notice that i i put a note down to ask you what you meant about him being somewhat responsible to the third goal but i'll have to go back and look but yeah, yeah. i mean obviously like ruffles should do better to stop the cross but um, to be fair to their fullback he's beat he's he has beaten well uh, but yeah, Claire just lets him go. Um, but after the goal, like you said, you could see the players sort of pointing at each other. And Jerome uh, mentioned it on on the in the commentary in the game um, when I think after Brannigan missed the open goal, actually, and he said, "Oh, it's good, you know, the the other players they're not getting on Brannigan's back. They they've gone round him and they've sort of supported him and said, come on, go again.' But after that third goal went in, there was a few players turning to each other and saying. You know what are you what are you playing at? Basically, I, I think Elliot Moore was asking Claire. You know why have you let your man go? And, yeah. and actually, I don't mind that so much. So, all right, it's good to support each other. Um, you know, if if a player is struggling, you you don't want to sort of kick them when they're down. But people also need to take responsibility, and it, it's not good enough some of this defending. So it should be called out. I think. 
Yeah. And you know, there was another couple of times again, not wanting to get too much on Claire's back where he started kind of dribbling relatively aimlessly when he didn't need to be dribbling in dangerous places, like cutting inside, running towards the middle of the pitch and losing possession. Um, I did at that point as well, you know, I noticed some of our players were actually encouraging him at that point because you could tell his head had gone. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't, he didn't have a good game. And I do think KR's right to kind of say, he kind of backed him after the game to say, look, he's, he's, he's going to take a bit of time. He's absolutely going to get better than what we're seeing now. And so you've so. got to imagine he's, he's sticking with him. <laughs> yeah. You've got to imagine he's sticking with him though. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we, you know, we still managed to go up and make a load of chances um, after that. Like Robbie Hall was on the pitch. He actually did pretty well um, in the time he was on to work a good few opportunities um, in kind of tight spaces. James Henry probably had the best chance for us where he he dragged it wide in a place where he scored a lot of goals last season, like on that right-hand side um, in the box. But Sorry, John, are you going to say something? I was going to say, I mean, it was generally the best... James Henry performance for well all season and months generally I thought he, he was kind of getting in the right places he should have been like that position um but yeah it was you kind of thought this is going to go bottom left and he's done that so many times before but well it, by that point it really wasn't our day was it no and the other thing just back to the defense though like Ben, when when you look at it it wasn't like Gillingham didn't create other chances Eastwood had to make a couple of like lightning saves one was from a volley on the back of a set piece that kind of was rising and he managed to get his hand to it the other one um their number nine got clean kind of clean through didn't it i think they just punted the ball from the halfway line seemingly all of our defense like our back line just disappeared and the guy was clean through he did it was kind of near eastwood um but at the same time is a good reaction save for him to get down to it but you've got to be concerned like if they just they could have scored five five goals in this game, Gillingham. And they looked, you know, we were comparing them, John, weren't we, to Accrington um, in terms of like their capability on the ball because they did, you know, we they had, what, 26% of it at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, sorry, Ben, I've, asked, I've just talked <laughs> yeah. over a question. Just... <laughs> but, you know, it is, it's worrying, isn't it? it? Like they didn't have much of the, there's going to be teams like Peterborough, they're going to have a lot more of the ball that we're playing in, in weeks to come. And, you, you know, if Gilliam could have scored five, you've got to wor- really worry about what other teams are going to do to us. Yeah, I think after that that second save, sort of once the ball had gone out for the corner, he it, it just it, it looked at the defence as if sort of saying, what's going on? You know, he, he couldn't quite believe it was so easy for them to get through one-on-one. You've just got to hope that KR and the, and the coaching staff have picked up on that. And they've said, look, come on, we've got to do better than this. But going back to what Tony was saying about sort of more picking out Claire, it's good to see at least that they know what they should be doing. You suspect they've been training it. They've just not been pulling it off in games. Well, I think Moore's the only one that's like the, like Elliot Moore is a very good player and he showed, he, he played enough games last year in the league for us to have be, been able to see that. And people might still say he's the number two centre-back. He still needs that experienced head next to him. But he's still a very, very good player and he's, He's either got to assume the role of of the the dominant like force in that defence, or we've. I still think we've got to bring someone in. I don't know, Tony, what you think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, last last time I was on here was the season 
preview um, and we hadn't kicked off yet. And I, I said it, and I think a few, uh, you know a few of the, uh, the rest of us said it as well on here that we needed a centre back and a left back because we were light in that area. And then Massinho and and Ruffles go and get injured, and lo and behold, we're light in that area. But it's frustrating because on on that show, I was very feeling very positive and about the transfer window. You know, we'd signed up Brannigan, we'd signed Taylor, um, Kelly had just signed on. Who you know, I was I was pleased that we got him again because I thought he was a quality player. He's yet to show that this season, I think. But but we needed a centre back and a left back, um, and they were the final pieces and. Yet again, it seems that Oxford United are doing their crucial deals at the last minute. Uh, it's just very frustrating that we, we can't seem to get our business done before the season properly kicks off. Yeah, and I'm still a bit worried that we're not... When the, the transfer window ends next... Well, the Friday coming, I think, the domestic one. Yeah. The second transfer window. It was all very confusing last <laughs> week when they kept yeah. talking about deadline day. Um, Premier League, that's all that counts, isn't it? Premier League deadline day. Nothing wasn't like it just either. like international? Like now it's yeah. just domestic stuff. I don't know. But John, like where would you pri- like where would your priority be? We've kind of talked about Dan Aji being pretty good on the left, and you've got Cooper there as well. So like again, I'm back in the left back centre back place myself. Yeah, I think given how things have played out, I still think that the plan has and probably still is was that it's a semi-gamble by KR that Atkinson comes good and Moore plays well and Claire slots in and does well, that there wasn't really ever a plan to sort of bring in a, an established centre-back, whether that's right or wrong. And we've debated it quite a few times. Um, I think the other thing, and Tony mentions Liam Kelly, like I'm I'm a big fan of him, but I wonder whether he needs to come out if as Gorin is back and, it, and it's a little bit as well of a protecting the defence as well. Protecting, yeah. Um, so there's a, a thing around that. And Kelly would be able to do that, but it's not his natural position, if I understand where he's generally played. He's, he's generally a little bit further forward. So, yeah, I still think the left-back and centre-back take priority because because ultimately, like, teams that get promoted, they tend to have pretty brutal defences. And then, yes, they can play decent football, but we're sort of at the risk of being a bit of a, of a 4-3 type team. You know, that we, we can score probably score quite a lot of goals, but we're going to ship a lot of goals as well. Um so yeah, I think it's um, it's got to be those priority areas, and then we just gamble on a on a loan or, as you say, Cooper Edgy on the left wing. Yeah, I, I just still am desperate for that experienced head centre back to to come in. Um, yeah, it's think- a good point about Gorin though, as well, because if Gorin is back in, he needs to be there protecting the back four. He's going to walk straight back into that team, and yes, we've got. 100 games in the next 30 days or whatever so people you know the squad is going to get utilized but if you're Liam Kelly do you reckon he's done enough Ben like do you reckon it'll be Ford that might drop out and you've got Brannigan and Kelly playing in the other two midfield slots I don't know I think I think like so many games I think he'll chop and change it I think maybe depending on which system he uses against which team um I thought Ford did okay in the game um, yeah. I think Kelly just seems some, some games he's, he's really on the ball and he seems to be involved in everything and others he just seems to just pop up every now and then I think he, he's, he's sort of underrated sometimes in those games he, he does a lot more off the ball or you know, little passes just to keep the movement flowing I suspect he, he would probably get the nod more often than Ford but I think that's it's not really sort of one's more 
more obvious a starter than the other. I think you'll just chop and change it. I just want, I'd want all four of them yeah. in the team somehow. I think Kelly. I don't want to lose Kelly out of the team because of the points Ben's just made. He's, he's a class player. Um, I just don't think he wants to be looking behind backwards. I think he just wants to be looking forward, and that's where he can do more damage as well. I did. I did like that Liam Kelly was notably like taught he was speaking quite a lot and he was talking to players and, and it, he was telling people where they should be and shouldn't be um and i noticed that in the footage as we were watching it and it's good that he's kind of assuming that role as a four foot six <laughs> bloke in the team so it's nice um reaction to the game kr didn't say anything kind of surprising um said you know there won't be time to do a highlight reel of all the chances we've missed um but yeah, he did. He did say you'd find it hard to look at someone that's had a bad game, and I don't think we need to go back over it again. But there's an area of the pitch <laughs> for us <laughs> uh, where I'm not sure we're agreeing. And just to actually, I'll touch on this now. Like Tony, we were we were talking about this when we were watching it because we were on a Zoom call. And I, mm. I brought this up. Like attack. Um, one sec. So to clear my throat, I can hear it going. In in attack, like you probably say with Winnell and Taylor, like we've got probably a top six attacking line, if you include Aji and Ossie and whatever, in terms of the depth there. Midfield, potentially even top three. And then defense. Like where it's high again, you'd have to have complete knowledge. It's probably a Jack question. <laughs> but you'd have to have knowledge of like every other team. But it it just doesn't feel like it's we've got the right balance there across across the side. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the only area of the team where we're weaker than we were last season, isn't it? I mean, we we all knew that Dickie was going, um, which which makes it even more annoying, I suppose, that we've not sorted that area to pitch out because everybody knew he was going, so we had time to prepare for it. Um, like you said a, a minute ago, you know, it's maybe a gamble that Robinson's taken, but that's the key word. It's a gamble, you know. And the gamble hasn't paid off so far because Massinho and and uh, Ruffles have got injured early on. Um, so Atkinson and Moore might end up being the partnership at the end of the season that that we look back on and say, yeah, that's a solid partnership and they're, they're two top quality players. But um, yeah, uh, we, we've done the Claire debate, fine. I'd get Sam Long back in at right back as soon as possible. So for me, it's it's about getting a centre-back in because then you can also release Sam Long up to fill in at right-back, give Claire a break out of the team, get him working in training on on shape and, and positioning for a right-back, bring him back into the lineup when Long's form dips or if he picks up an injury or whatever. But if you can get Long at right-back, get Ruffles fit at left-back and then, yeah, maybe just pray that Atkinson and, and Moore get better and better together for, throughout the season and don't get injured. Um but I thought, you know, the, the young lads in the, um, like you said, in the, in the Bristol Rovers match, didn't watch it, but by all accounts, you know, Eliki Ele at left back, was it? And um, yeah. uh, Lofthouse at right back. Uh, I've, I saw Lofthouse play in the preseason, friendly, but I've not seen Eliki play before. But, you know, maybe Robinson's thinking that they're, they're good enough cover. Um, but if they are, then let's get Sam Long out of out of the centre-back positions because that's, I don't think, his best best place and let's put him back in at right-back and I think we'll immediately look more solid. It's going to be interesting to see what happens yeah, when Atkinson's back in the team as to whether Long is moved to right-back. I or think whether, he has to put Long yeah, back at right-back for agree. now. I mean, 
Claire, we've we've paid a fee for him. He's he's obviously someone that we're we're hoping is going to be the answer at right back, that attacking fullback. But he's not ready yet. It's clear. So give him a break. Let him, like I said, you know, work with him on the training ground. When he's ready, get him back in the team. But at the moment, no, he's costing us goals. Yeah. Um. Just step back onto the reaction, John. Steve Evans. What did he say? <laughs> well, <laughs> what didn't he say? Um, I mean, he talked about, you know, he said it could have been 5-4 either way, which I don't really buy that massively, I suppose. But, you know, it certainly could have been high scoring. Um, he said we're a brilliant side, which I can I can obviously sign up with that. The best comment I've seen from a, an interview he did with um, Kent Online was he was talking about them as a whole. And he said, we've got the youngest squad in the entire football league. We have the, the smallest squad and least resources at our level, but we have to, but we have what we can afford to pay. Now, I'm obviously not going to be able to fact check all of that, but the youngest squad in the entire football <laughs> league, like, I mean, as I said, I'm not going to get my spreadsheet out, but that seems like quite a call. With the smallest squad, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not going to get the spreadsheet out and go, well, technically, Steve, you know, Rochdale have got 18 players and you've got 19. Um, so you haven't got the smallest squad, but, but the, <laughs> The least resources at our level was the one that absolutely baffled me. I mean, they've yeah, what unbelievable they've brought in like fifteen odd players. Obviously, McDonald and Graham, who are you know good good pros, won't they're not sort of end of their careers, cheap wages type of thing. Um, I think Jack made the point about the striker that scored. I think it's Oliver. He turned down a deal at Northampton, so on a on a recent yeah, he he came down from Blackburn as well, and he he's he was playing in the championship, so yeah, so there's not a bad player. So there's just no way that you know, not not just to pick on Accrington, but you know, your Accrington, your Rochdale's, they will have smaller budgets than Gilligan. I mean, I'm I'm willing to put myself out there on that one. <laughs> it's just bizarre, yeah, but absolutely. just the way you know, Gilet wearing, just um, he didn't look like he's got any hips either. Like he just sort of. Like stumbled onto the pitch. It was really weird. After the it game. glides around. Yeah, it's. I mean, that was that was another time we used the word fluid, but in the reverse sense, we said not a fluid mover. Someone shouted out at one point as he kind of was walking around the pitch afterwards, shaking hands. It's interesting to read some comments about players that have played under him because they generally are like quite positive about him. They'll all kind of basically hold their hands up and say, "Yeah, you know, he's a bit of a." He's a bit of a madman, which I think is what this guy Stryker said about him. But they'll, yeah, there, there seems to be some, some positives around the players that play for him. So you just don't know until you're playing underneath him, so to speak. Yeah. Um, when you actually look at the stats, and it's it's worth trying to finish the kind of review of the game on a on a positive note. And there was a lot of comparisons to the Blackpool game early on last season, where we lost. What was it? Two one, I think. Um, we had 74% possession, 31 shots to their 15. Um, we had 451 accurate passes to their 104. Pass success of 84% to their 56. Like It, it was ridiculous. And I, I guarantee if we played another 10 teams with those stats, like I just can't. That's not happening again. So it, it's really... I, I, do, I am still worried about the defence, but I just think... On another day, we're scoring five goals in a game where we're having 31 shots. Um, I don't know. Even if we have to win games 5-3 every time, I'll take it. I think off oh, the yeah. back of that Blackpool match, didn't we go go out and sign Matty Taylor? Um, 
unless I'm unless I'm mistaken. But I, I think that was after that we went out and signed Taylor. So that was an obvious problem, you know, that we were creating chances and that we then went and resolved that by bringing in a goal scorer. But you know, this season we're we're better up top. We've got Winnell as well. So um, that's that's not an issue. Like you said, I think if we played that game again, we'd score more goals. Um, whether it would be enough to win or not, because we're shipping them at the other end is another matter. Um, that's our problem now. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll go out and we'll um, sign Sol Bamba or just some <laughs> reactive... Sol Bamba. Sol Bamba. Is Neil Warnock's favourite man in the world, Sol Bamba? He always talks about are you, it. Are you, are you making an in-the-know shout on that? Is this, is this going to happen? In the- yeah. Just wait and see. I think He must be like 40 now. Anyway, yeah, eight, conceding eight in the first four games isn't isn't ideal. But anyway, the one thing I just said we'll finish on a positive start, but I did go back and look to... So we've had three... Well, we, we've had two full seasons under KR winter the third. Um, we talked about this before, but first season, after 12 games, we were rock bottom of the league with one, one win in 12. Um, last season, uh, it took us obviously a while to get going as well. And I think we're going to end up with probably quite similar stats to these this season as well in that after the first seven games last year we'd only won one drawn two and lost four with that final game being the 2-1 loss at Fleetwood away John that we had a great time going to um with the pug wash music there um but yeah it just feels like I don't know we just can't get going under KR at the beginning of the season you just gotta I guess we've just gotta hope it all it all turns but Ben, the thing that was worrying me with this, and I, I think when we did that season preview, I was kind of saying, we'll finish second. And I was definitely the most optimistic, but I was looking back at like previous seasons and like when Luton and Barnsley went up, Luton lost six games all season. And if we're not careful, we've lost, you know, six games after the first month type thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I get you. I mean, Coventry only lost three games. Last exactly. Season. Yeah. I know it wasn't a full season, but it's... It's always possible to come back, as we've proven before, get on a run of you know, nine, ten games unbeaten. Other teams have done considerably better than that with you know, 20, 30 games unbeaten. But you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot too much. You want to give yourself a fighting chance. And it's it's kind of damage limitation. You can't necessarily win the league in the first 10, 20 games of a season, but you certainly can sort of lose any hope of being up there at the end. So we've just got yeah. to make sure we we turn it around relatively quickly, I think. And we'll touch on it in a sec, but yeah, being 10 points off the top after four games. I know we've played a game less, but yeah, sad. So on to, on to League One anyway, like we've missed obviously a couple of game weeks, but um, other other teams that do, well, Accrington have got a couple of wins, haven't they? I think since we, since we played them. And I, I don't think we saw that coming. We thought they were pretty pants when we, we played them, but they beat in Wimbledon away. And then um, done Rochdale. I suppose they're games that are going to be against teams in and around them. Ipswich still smashing it, top of the league, four-one. They've they've not had too many difficult games. The thing is with Ipswich, I'm sure they will be up there generally. But Blackpool was probably the first game they've had this season where I was like, that's a difficult team. So they may not they may not be the done done deal yet. Yeah, and Lincoln lost their first game at home to. Bristol Rovers, good result for Bristol. Um, Operation Vengeance is actually, is kind of kind of back on track. Two 0 away win at Northampton, and yeah, Pompey 
Pompey getting a win after while well, they've had a couple of wins. I think Harness scored again and he got a hat trick the other day, didn't he? So they're back on the march. And then Happy Days, Wimbledon beat Swindon. Um a Pigger guy's a good player, isn't he? I'm still surprised he's still there, to be honest. He's always had he's had a good record for a while. Um did anything else stand out to anyone across the league? <laughs> Ten thousand no. You've, you've listed them all, all the key ones. <laughs> I think Ipswich, Ipswich last season started off um, really well, didn't they? And it looked like they were going to uh, run away with it, and then they they fell away. So um, I guess that that could hopefully happen again. Uh, but yeah. yeah, you're right. We don't want to let everyone get too far ahead of us. I'm, I'm still angry with you lot because I was being my my cynical self going into the season, um, and that's that's my defence mechanism. But all your positivity rubbed off on me and I carried <laughs> my end of season prediction upwards and now I'm regretting that massively. So, yeah. Um, one thing of note, crew, um, crew did play and they won 3-0 and didn't some of the players that were involved in all the nonsense play in the game? Oh, my yeah, well, Wintel, Wintel, who was the guy who tested positive after the Newcastle game, he played and then Beckles came on. So there's some sort of timing you know how many days beyond things going on there um but well they obviously treat the whole thing with disregard anyway so is it that surprising i wonder if it'll turn into a bit of a yeah. sort of a not a derby but like a rivalry now moving forward like it'll be sort of covid beef for the next couple of years with them whenever we how them. how can the guy after testing positive like was it a week doesn't he have to isolate for two weeks at least from that point? Or am I missing something? Well, these are the things, yeah, unless he's had another test that's negative somehow. Oh. But like you say, it's just, it's sort of, it's the overriding principles of it. Um, and if the EFL aren't being sort of strict and keeping an eye on it, then who knows what, what's going on. Yeah, so so Crew won, yeah, beat Wigan 3-0. And whilst we're on Wigan, I think Wigan have had a... Um, an agreement for a bidder to come in from Spain, who's kind of bought the club, but I haven't gone back and checked that. That was that was a note from yeah, the previous. Has that gone through? He's um, it's gone through in terms of it's a chap, Spanish guy who's owned a couple of, I think, sort of equivalent Division Two Spanish teams before. He hasn't passed the um, the fit and proper test yet, but <laughs> whether that's a pretty easy thing to do these days, anyway, um. But yeah, I think it's looking. I think it's in a pretty positive place, and um, by all accounts, he's um, yeah, sort of tends to invest in the team and then sell it on. But it's certainly a better place than they were before. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything of note for Crew, John? You've already done a preview that we a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, we tried to do that. Um, so that was on the last episode from about forty minutes in. If anyone wants to listen to to that again. Um, the only com- the only extra information we can add to that is that uh, thanks to Mr. Oxblogger, we can confirm that Josh Lundstrom, who plays for them, is related <laughs> to John John Lundstrom. Um, you know, he just goes the extra mile in his research, so it's a fair play. But yes, so that he is a an Oxford link in there too. He also called out that he's got a sister who was on Desperate Scouse Wives called Jody Lundstrom. So look her up, listeners. Anyway. Um, Peterborough next weekend we're not sure if we'll do try and get a midweek pod done on the back of the crew games we'll have to see but Peterborough Tony next week that's going to be a, a tough game isn't it they've had a reasonable start they've lost Tony but 
They're a good yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, they're always a good side, aren't they? In that, our level, so yeah. But we, if we if we keep losing these games, and they become more and more important, don't they? So um, hopefully we get the result against against Crew on Tuesday. But um, if not, then then we're going to be really desperate come Saturday, and it's not the sort of match you want to have to win, is it, against Peterborough? No. Well, we tried that last year, didn't we? Yeah. Or was it four nil? It was a sad day. <laughs> I mean, the, um, only, the only bonus, I suppose, they don't have Ivan Tony, do they? So, no, they they brought in um, Clark Harris from Bristol yeah. Rovers, I think it was, yeah. for over a million. Um, he's he's got a couple of goals now. He's up and running. Sammy Smodix was a good signing for them. Was he on loan there last year? Smodics. Yeah, from Brist- Bristol City. Yeah, and um, but yeah, they've they lost Marcus Madison because we were thinking he might be heading in our direction, but he's gone to. Charlton, hasn't he? Um, maybe he needs a bit of time to get back to fitness, given, given he missed a preseason. But yeah, that would have been an exciting move. Be it that he apparently is a bit of a twat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a strange one, though, wasn't it? Because there was a lot of rumours that he was training with us. Yeah, um, but then obviously he's, we've not signed him for whatever reason. So I don't know whether that was actually true or not. Um, but if he was, then I would have thought that we would have wanted to try and bring him in because he may well be a tosser but he's a good player as well a good tosser a good tosser yeah the sort of tosser you want on your team <laughs> yeah you do need a, a we few are, uh, rock bags we are in a bit team. nice we're very we nice. were saying that weren't we like it it all is a bit nice yeah. Jerome was definitely saying it at one point in the commentary wasn't he like it, we are just a bit nice with everything mm. and it kind of suits like you know Someone external to Oxford knows nothing about us would assume we're as nice, I'd have thought. But it'd be nice if we had a bit of like, get a bit of a Chris Maguire type person in. But yeah, maybe you can't just focus in on the shit housing when you're signing a player, I guess. But <laughs> there you go. Um, bit of news came in actually uh, this afternoon around this kind of Premier League reform and the various proposals that are in place and haven't really had much time to digest this. I was saying to John just before we were recording, but um, Ben, what do you, what do you reckon about this stuff? It's, it's a bit raw, but it, it looks like all the power gets thrown towards the kind of top six to make all the decisions from then on. But then on the other hand, there's potentially like 25% of the annual revenue from TV and whatever will be sent across the EFL to help to, you know, to make it a bit more sustainable. So I don't really know what to make of it at this moment in time. Yeah, it it seems very convenient with everything that's going on and, and the fact that obviously the EFL and all the, all the clubs are desperate for, for funding and to keep keep themselves afloat during this pandemic. It, it does seem it's just a, a power grab by the big six to basically run football in this country. They'd have such a, a power of veto on decisions that this could just be the start of it. You know, they, they've got to change the promotion from the championship. Who's to say that would stay the same for a long period? The dreaded B teams, if it suits them, they could vote yeah, that through. Because yeah. from what, what I understand, it they'd only need... There's the nine teams, the big six and the, the other three who have been in the, the league the longest. They only need six of those to vote for it, and it happens. So the rest of the league, and the EFL for that matter, sort of don't have a say. And it, the headlines will be the sort of 250 million to the EFL and the, the hundred million pound in inverted commas gift to the football association, <laughs> which I think yeah. is an interesting way of, sp- of spelling bribe, but it, 
is it just the they'll dangle this carrot and it's short term fix, but long term it's going to cause huge ramifications for the game, and it's not necessarily going to be a positive thing. I mean, the, the Premier League have already said they don't like it. The government have said, well, I don't see how this is going to help fans. I think this is going to rumble on for a very long time, but ultimately, I don't think it's going to happen. No. Tony, any thoughts on that stuff? It also included the EFL Cup being abolished and Community Shield, which I thought made even less sense given it's just a one-off game with a lot of the kind of the money generated. It's obviously meant to go towards charities and whatever. But imagine that if we're in a world where the League Cup was just completely canned and then you've got a new generation of Oxford fans that have to refer to something that doesn't exist. I yeah. don't know. It's just Yeah, exactly. That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? But... No, I agree. I agree with um, what, what Ben's just said. It's uh, yes, yeah, smells fishy to me. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go for it if I was uh, Oxygen United or, or any other member of the football league. But um, yeah, it also makes me laugh a little bit how they're they're referring to the uh, the big six and you know, and T- uh, Man City's included in that. Well, you know, Man City were down at our level not that long ago. It's <laughs> only because they have been bought out and um, exactly, yeah. you know, they've got all this money today that they're included in that. So, um, I, you know, it doesn't seem fair to me. Um, but, you know, all, all this talk about um, the bailout of the Football League, I don't really see why um, why it should be um, the Premier League getting something back for it. You know, they, they've got plenty of money um, that, that could be used to help bail out Football League clubs. Why have we got a in turn, you know, bend over for them um, and hand over all the power, even more power to the Premier League when it's already far too powerful in this country. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not it's not the answer and hopefully it won't get voted through. John, any closing thoughts on that? That's a good summary there. Yeah, no, I agree with the majority of that. I have some sympathy with the Premier League not wanting to bail out the Championship or include that in, the, in its proposed bailout because... Championship clubs are still selling players for for big money and and that sort of thing. Um, It's sad because there's elements within this package they're proposing, like capping away tickets at £20, money for stadium infrastructure. There's lots of things there in isolation would be really positive moves for the Premier League to want to to make. But then when you start to see things like uh, a massive expansion of the number of players that can be on loan within the EFL, you know, games being only played on the weekend so you can have space for more European football, a longer pre-season so you can have more pre-season friendlies, i.e. glamour tournaments in Asia or America or whatever. It all starts to smell like that point that Ben made very well, that is this just the start of things to come? And if you don't have that blocker now and you think, oh, well, it's only a couple of bad things, but we get some good stuff, three, four, five years' time, it'll be right. Well, actually, yeah, we want B teams. Well, you can't do anything to stop it. Yeah, that would be absolutely horrendous. I still didn't understand like the correlation between like we'll free up 25% of our annual income as the Premier League and distribute that around the EFL if we can have an 18 league top flight, 18 team top flight, sorry, and scrap the community shield. Like I don't really understand. I, I I guess there's more reading to do, but like where does where do those changes come in that means that they can free up that money and why can't they just free up that money anyhow if it's you know i just didn't quite it's kind of similar to what tony was saying but it's just confused me i need more information the, the yeah. fact that i think the, i think it's sorry go, go on, on. 
Well, no, the, no. Fact that, the fact that Go it's gone out now, um, whether it's the Telegraph has just managed to get hold of this by journalistic methods and they weren't intending to get this out now, but the fact that the majority of people that kicked off about it have said, well, you haven't consulted with the majority of the footballing kind of community. So as a result, they're going to be against it. So they've either cocked up this getting out there or even so they haven't yeah. even had to done some basic consultation to make it work. Even from the beginning, apparently Rick Parry's been in front of the media tonight sort of trying to persuade them that this is the right thing to do. And he just looks like he's just basically bent, bent over to the Premier League and, and sort of not really kind of fought the corner for the, for the EFL, just been so desperate for the bailout money. One of the things that he did say in that was it, this hasn't come out the way we wanted it to. Right. Okay. Which suggests that, you know, good, it's, it's these behind closed doors dealings with the big teams, not necessarily behind the EFL's back, but certainly behind the rest of the Premier League's back. So yeah. I don't know how they were going to intend to announce it, but like I said, this this it couldn't have come worse for them in terms of everyone's going, well, hold on a minute. This is this is going to completely change. Particularly you think the lower sort of teams in the Premier League, this is going to screw them over even more. They're going to want to say on this, and that say is probably going to be no. I just don't know why you wouldn't, in today's world, in the way politics works and everything, like it has to operate as a democracy. Like you have to have even, you know, people with even voices. I, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't understand how anyone would think this is a good idea beyond the people that are really benefiting it, benefiting, benefiting God from it right at the top. Yeah, well, I think that's the point, isn't it? It's, so the proposal. My rant was was anti Premier League, whereas actually, um, you know, like we said earlier, the Premier League itself as a body has come out against this because the the proposal is actually from Manchester United and Liverpool, and it's about putting the power in the hands of those biggest clubs in the Premier League. Um, so condensing, I mean, the Premier League is too powerful as it is, but it's condensing that even further and taking that democratic aspect out of it for what it's worth and yeah. putting it in the hands of. Uh, yeah, yeah we'll decide what's right for yeah. exactly and and who's you know you make that that call today and who's to say in five ten years time that those big clubs don't then go back on all of the the sort of small benefits that they the crumbs that they've so generously given to the football <laughs> league um, and say actually we don't fancy that anymore so come on uh, big six let's have a let's have a vote now and rescind all of that and then there's there's no one to to vote against it so yeah, it, it, it's really got to fail because otherwise football in this country is heading in a very bad direction. I don't like that it's being... Oh, and on that happy note... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, go on, John. No, no, you were right to call off the... Uh, I wasn't going to say anything positive, so um, yeah, you were right to uh, <laughs> call, call headmaster oh, on it. I was just going to add the final thing is they're going to the the football league and the premier league the sort of professional football would go would lose two teams as part of these proposals and those two teams are going to be from you know it's, it's the league two teams that are going to suffer why should two of those yeah. teams lose their status because of the big six teams it just it's not fair well i'm sure we'll probably talk more about this in the next pod because there'll probably be a bit more information and hopefully that information's a bit more concise so i'll have to see um right Let's hope we get a good result against Crew on Tuesday so we can all lighten up a little bit. Um, I'm going to go and down a pint of coconut milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay. 
Cheers, chaps. Cheers, John. Cheers, Ben. Cheers, Cheers. Tony. And we'll probably be back. I don't know. Maybe a midweek pod. Maybe not. And if not, we'll be back after Peterborough next weekend. Thank you very much. Mm